Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. The expression, uh, the expression justified in the Spirit. Now, either refers to uh, the Holy Spirit, and that's the, the translators, uh, the King James translators, evidently thought that the Holy Spirit was the person before whom and of whom Jesus was justified, uh, accredited, approved uh, by the Holy Spirit while he was in the flesh. Uh, but uh, the word spirit, the capital, the, the capital uh, is purely put in by man. It's just uh, arbitrary uh, uh, work of man. The word, uh, if you use it, translate it by a little letter, little s, then it would be justified in his spirit. That he, as man, on, uh, while he tabernacled among us, he was justified uh, in, uh, in the sense that no man could lay any condemnation against him, bring any charge, prove any fault, any guilt uh, to him. And that's the sense in which I take this. I, I, I don't believe it refers to the Holy Spirit. Uh, what, if so, uh, uh, where... Uh, would I appeal for proof or for evidence to uh, 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 that Jesus was justified by the Holy Spirit? Now, when Jesus was baptized, the Father came. The Holy Spirit, certainly, in the form of the dove, also was represented. The Father says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Uh, but uh, the mystery of godliness is not that Jesus was God. He was always God, see, as far as God is concerned. He was in eternity, without beginning. He's just uh, 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 the Father, the Spirit, too. But the mystery of godliness is how that God could become flesh. And these other incidences, all of them, are qualities, are statements referring to the uh, to that mystery. See, in other words, Jesus was justified. In other words, he was acquitted. He was proved to be without stain, without spot, and that he was God. That's exactly what Peter was saying on the, uh, in his second sermon. That Jesus was a a man approved of God by miracles and signs and wonders, which was done, which he performed, Peter said, before you all. You all know it. And yet they were still wanting to condemn him. See? All right? Now, uh, along with this expression, justified in the Spirit, you're going to, uh, uh, you want to connect 1 Peter 3, 18 and 19 where when Jesus, having been, uh, who was uh, once suffered, uh, you know, for sin, the just for the unjust, they might bring us to God, having been put to death, see, in the flesh, 
justified in the Spirit. By which he went and preached to spirits in prison. Now, Jesus didn't preach by the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't preach through the agency of the Holy Spirit. He preached in his Spirit. As Spirit. His body was still on the cross. Not even dressed by uh, by uh, uh, Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus. Why, well, he started preaching immediately. By which he went and preached to spirits in prison. In Hades, the departed in the intermediate state. Alright? Scene of angels. That is, he was, uh, that's just like Jesus said that uh, after his resurrection, he was seen of men. He was seen of Peter. He was seen of Mary Magdalene. He was seen of the, uh, of, uh, the two disciples on the way to Mass. And then above 500 brethren at one time on a mountain in Galilee. And then by Paul, Paul tells Alright? But now Jesus was seen, that is his testimony, was born testimony by angelic beings. Angels came, what did they say? What did they do? Well, when Jesus was, uh, 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 after he baptized, he was led of the devil, uh, into the wilderness. And hungry, forty days, forty nights without food, angels came and ministered unto him. See? Ain't seen of angels. In other words, angelic, the angels bear testimony to the mystery of godliness that Jesus is God in the flesh. And, and, and that's just one evidence. You find, uh, others. Alright, and, uh, and how often, uh, uh, be, and, Preached unto the Gentiles. Preached unto the Gentiles. In other words, uh, uh, now here, uh, he also preached to the Gentiles in the sense of, of Samaritans. But now, he preached. This has reference to the apostolic ministry. The, the apostles preached to him, declared him to the Gentiles. Like Peter, well, uh, who am I? Uh, the Holy Ghost fell upon Cornelius. Just as he did it to us at the beginning. Who am I to withstand God? And then Paul, and especially Ted, preached Jesus to the, to the Gentile. Alright, then, believed on in the world. Now, now brother, that's in this earth. While Jesus was upon this earth, he was believed. Uh, and yet that's, that's one of the marvels. That's a miracle. That's a wonder. That's as great a sign, a miracle, as uh, as the miracles in nature. Why? Jesus came, John says, Jesus came to his own, and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he power, the authority, the right to become the children of God. Even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, but of God. In other words... For a person to believe in Christ, he had to be born of God, you see. And believing in Christ, uh, well, Jesus said, well, you can't believe me. You, you can't, uh, uh, no man can uh, come to me except my Father, which sent me drawing, see. In other words, believing in Christ is something that the credit and the glory goes to the Father, goes to God. See, 
No man uh, can, can believe art. And yet here, great without controversy. Paul just dumps all these together. He said, now this is the reason why no man can confute this. No man can refute it. No man can deny it. The greatest uh, mystery of all is how that Christ became flesh. God became man. And yet did not cease to be God. And when he became man, he didn't become sin. Sin accepted. Then he said, received up into glory. You see, now that's, of course, a reference to Acts 1-11. When you take, when you take each one of those statements, brother, uh, uh, you, you, you go through that in an hour's time, you'll be, uh, and do justice to each one of these statements. You, you'll be covering some uh, pretty good territory. Great blessing to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Right. That's a miracle. Absolutely. Why? Because it's the work of God. Only right. God can call it, produce it. How ought men to praise God? Yeah. Well, just the, the, the fact that they believe God. Mm. Did you right. say anything about a, about a bride adorning her husband now? In verse 2, did you... Yeah. All right. The Holy City. Well, uh, we're going to get the the description. I was going to come in verse 10. All right. In other words, now, if I took the position that that the city in verse 2 and the city in verse 10 were different cities, then I'd have to uh, uh, make my discussion here and then show why the one in 10 is different. But I believe they both refer to uh, to the same... Uh, event, same people, and uh, uh, same time. All right, then, uh, of course, verse 4 tells you the no mores. Uh, there are seven no mores in verse 21. You know that in 22. Uh, but, and then uh, verse uh, 6 says, it is done. That's where we, we were on that expression. Right? We got to, it is done. All right, I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. Of course, Alpha and Omega the, is the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. Uh, and by that, he was uh, signifying that not only he was the first and the last letter, but he's every letter in between. It takes every letter of the alphabet, what he's saying, is to spell out God. Is to uh, uh, tell about the one that made all things new. Uh, he created all things. All things were created for him. As all things were created by him. All things, you see, are made new here in verse 5 by him. And, uh, and so uh, he was before all things. That means, that's, that's Lincoln. John is taking, uh, is, it's emphasizing the same thought as in verse 1, 1 of John. One, see, of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. That Word is Christ. That Word was before all things, showing that before there was any creation at all made, He was before all things. That's what Paul is saying in Colossians, uh, uh, the, the first chapter, in verse 16, 17, 18. Now then, uh, the beginning and the end. Uh, in other words, he's the one that 
started this whole uh, matter. Uh, the earth, he's the one that's bringing this present earth to end and, and purged it and brought in a new heaven and new earth. And he says, I will give unto him. Now we begin from here on. Uh, you're going to have the emphasis of uh, life and light. Now in the Gospel of John, it says in him was life and that life was the life of men. In him was light, L-I-G-H-T, and that light was the light of men. All men that came, uh, that cometh into the world, he lighted every man that cometh into the world. Alright, now, we're going to, uh, uh, John is going to use those terms to depict the completeness uh, and the greatness, the inexhaustible supply of the source of salvation, of life. That our salvation is of God. And we're going to, and he'll, he'll, uh, uh, do so, especially in chapter 22. But, uh, he says, I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. See, uh, that's, uh, uh, now, God is, has come down. We are living in the uh, new earth when this takes place. This is not something uh, that takes place now. He's not writing about that experience. He's writing about a the the fullness uh, of life that comes only from God, as it will be manifested and given to us in the eternal age, the life to come. Now you see, we have life now, but we have it, and then there's a. A, a stage of a more abundant life even now that's possible. But the life to come, the age to come, is the age of eternal, known as eternal life. I'll give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Uh, so he's uh, uh, emphasizing that theme here. He begins to dwell upon that. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Now, uh, here's, uh, uh, here's the Father telling us that uh, the overcomer, see, when uh, in the beginning this letter was addressed to the seven churches, and there were seven promises made to those seven churches, and every promise was uh, predicated by he that overcometh. See, the overcomer, I will give. All right, now what is it? He that overcometh shall inherit all things. All things, what? All of the seven promises and all besides. In other words, the, the seven promises were not, as I emphasized when we were studying it, that the church at Ephesus was not going to just receive that special promise that was given to them and Smyrna and so on, but that all of the churches would receive them. That is, all the children of God would receive those promises. Why? Because uh, he would uh, he overcame uh, through the blood of the Lamb. That's what he emphasized throughout the middle section of this book. So now, 
he tells us here, reminds, uh, 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 John is reminded that he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Now then, verse 8 describes uh, th- those, uh, the eternal state of the wicked. And, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and whoremongers and saucers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now you will remember back in, in, in chapter 20, it says, And whosoever was not found, written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. And verse 14 said, And, the, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Now, in verse 8, uh, in contrasting the joys, of course, in verse 6, he contrasted the, uh, uh, the joys of, and the blessings of God's children. Here is the uh, final eternal state of the, <coughs> of the second death of the wicked. Now, verse 9. Brother Clayton. All right. Uh, you know, uh, it seems like to me that a lot of people use just like verse eight to try to scare people. Yeah. Now, man, it didn't love God. You couldn't scare him with that, could you? Uh, I mean, we read back earlier here where after a lot of things out, they didn't even repent. Uh, absolutely. No, we wouldn't. It wasn't. It wasn't upset him, was it? No. A child of God that can believe this, that's that's the going to be rejoicing in right. It just shows the state of this other man that. That didn't want to overcome. And That's right. It shows you that the the eternal state of the wicked is just as lasting as the uh, eternal joys of the righteous here, you see. And uh, and, and, that's, and that's right. That they, in a little, little later on in the Revelation, uh, he says, the unrighteous, you know, the filthy, let him be filthy still. He that's unrighteous, let him do. Continue to go on unrighteousness. Why? Because that's his bent. That's his nature. That's that why the, uh, the apostles uh, never did preach in the hellfire discourse if they just preached the, the truth and those that believed come forward, those that didn't believe went on their way. Right. They that's, didn't try that's to that's everybody they didn't, into that's it. That's right. They didn't. Uh, they just, but, but today they capitalize on that. Yeah. See, modern evangelism. There's been a complete turnaround. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Now, verse 9, notice, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, full of the seven last plagues, and had talked with me, saying, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. Now, uh, all, all verse 9, the introductory and, and uh, identifying clauses, phrases here, it simply points out that this is this angel that's talking with John was one that had had uh, a bowl and had poured out that bowl at God's command to see upon the earth. Who dates back to it. In other words, he just identifies him as one of the seven angels in the 16th chapter had the uh, bowl. Now he said uh, he uh, he talked with him, saying, "Come hither." Now, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away 
in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy city, holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. All right, now that's verse 2, see? And I, John, the holy city, saw New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. The angel says, now, come, I'll show you. This is just a uh, a further manifestation of the bride that John was permitted to see. It's just a fuller, more complete vision of the holy city of the bride, the Lamb's wife. Back in 19th chapter, uh, heaven was called to rejoice because the marriage of the Lamb is come. Blessed is he that uh, is uh, called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. But we hadn't had no supper. I mean, we hadn't seen anybody eating. We hadn't seen any. Uh, the wedding hadn't taken place. I mean, there's no uh, no union. See? But now, the wedding is simply a figure of speech uh, through uh, this with the mystery of godliness, with God abiding, dwelling again with his people. All of them. Every one that overcome it. See? Now, he says, I'll show you the, the bride, the city. Now, he's going to describe it. He's going to talk about it. And he carried me... Uh, now, while he was up on the mountain, see, he saw the city descending. Now, he saw something. Uh, a great uh, image besides... Uh, maybe in the... Uh, he saw individuals. He saw the people of God. And yet, the people of God are called a city. Abraham, and nowhere is it said in Genesis, but uh, it evidently was true. As Abraham journeyed back and forth all up and down the land and length of uh, Palestine from Egypt to Mesopotamia, he was looking for a city. Of course, Hebrews tells us he was that he was looking for a city to come. Well, now he was looking for this city to come. Now he wasn't looking to go up to a city. He was looking for a city or the city that was to come. That was coming. And he believed that uh, someday, one day, he wanted a place where he would live with God in the very presence of God that's what he was after and now then that's that uh, uh, anticipation of Abraham is now realized is now fulfilled when God comes down and all the uh, of his people are with him notice he says uh, having the glory of God now and her light was like unto a stone, most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as a crystal. Now, he's talking about the city. Now, he's going to describe, make a description here of a city in the form of, uh, of precious stones and metals. Just as uh, uh, God had been described, the one on the throne 
you remember in the fourth, fifth chapters described as such. And uh, also in the first chapter of Revelation. But now, and had a wall. Uh, and had a wall great and high. And had twelve gates. And at the gates, twelve angels. Now, I don't know how many times I haven't counted them. I've counted them, but I've forgotten. Uh, at least seven times in this uh, verse, you're going to read about twelve. That's the number of uh, a completed government, perfection of government. Twelve tribes, twelve apostles, twelve... Uh, 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 Twelve angels here, and you have twelve gates, twelve uh, stones, twelve pearls. But we'll we'll get to them as we come along. But it said, and a wall great and high had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. And on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. See that makes twelve gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Now we got twelve foundations, twelve apostles now. That, if you count them, I, that's, uh, you, you might keep up with them. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof, and the city lieth four square. And the length is as large as the breadth, and he measured the city with the reed twelve thousand furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof a hundred and forty and four cubits. That's twelve and twelve. According to the measure of man that is of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was of pure gold like unto clear glass. And the foundations of all of the city were with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedon, the fourth emerald, the fifth sun, six suns, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth, tenth the chrysoperus, the eleventh jason, the twelfth an amethyst, and the twelfth were pearl. Every several gates pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. Now that's a description of us. Don't look like kind of out of place now, eh? But now that's the city. But it, but God's people now uh, are described under the precious today. Well, man cuts one another's throat for gold. And look what we're going to do. We're going to, it ain't going to be worth more than just a walk. We're going to, so to speak. Just something to hold. But now, this... Now, this... He tells you to describe this city. This is the prime description here is of the inhabitants of the city. The inhabitants are also seen as the city. As a city. Uh, is that something that uh, 
uh, well, you you make a when you use a uh, a name of a a town uh, for the people or the people for the name of the town. Well, uh, all Corinth is here. You know, if a great crowd of people go somewhere and and you look up and well, my goodness, Corinth here or or a church. See, if you see all their members coming into another church, well, then here's a whole church here. Well, they're not really that, but it's the people of that. See? Uh, and yet, uh, I can't under, you can't understand it, uh, without having some visible, some tangible, something, uh, real, see, as a form. And, and he describes it as four square. Now, in studying Daniel, we notice that Babylon, uh, was 15 miles square, you know. Uh, 60 miles around it. 15 miles, 15 miles, east, west, north, south. And then um, Babylon had the walls. It was a thick wall. You know, they could get, had uh, great armies. Chariots could drive around it just like a paved, like a, a, a freeway uh, for automobiles now. And then from that, towers went up on top of that even greater. And... Um, yeah, uh, those walls were higher around Babylon than the walls around this city. Here. But, uh, this city is, instead of being 15 miles, uh, square, it's a, a 1500 miles square. Now you remember that, uh, uh, the land of Palestine, Jerusalem, uh, physical, literal Jerusalem. Uh, the the Palestine itself is only uh, forty miles wide by about a hundred at the most, a hundred and ten to fifteen miles long. But this city is fifteen hundred miles on the east, fifteen hundred miles on the on the north, fifteen hundred miles on the west, and fifteen hundred miles on the south. And 1,500 miles high. Well, if, if you would, uh, if you would, uh, 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 multiply that, you'd find it's 2,250,000 square miles. That's a pretty good sized city when it's denoting, referring to space. Well, now, back in earlier, we noticed that God's people that had been redeemed, they were singing praise and hallelujah, you know, and glory to God. Why? Because he's redeemed us to God by his blood out of men from every nation, kindred and tongue and tribe and people up on the earth. All right, there's got to be a place for him. He's going to redeem that many. He's going to prepare a place for him. And he said, he, when he left, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. Well, this place, this city's coming down. Now then, he says, uh, now this, uh, there's a, uh, if you estimated the number of inhabitants in physical proportion, there's a city of New York or London, you'd, uh, uh, you'd have, uh, 100,000 millions of people could occupy that that city, just that city. 
Now that has nothing to do with uh, other than this city. God created new heaven and a new earth. But now he's, he's talking about a city. The part that's here specified, a city is. Now, uh, it, it would be, according to this dimension, it would be 15,000 times larger than the, than the uh, city of London, England. That's bigger than France, that's bigger than Ger- ten times bigger than France, ten times bigger than Germany, bigger than India. In, in its, in its scope. I mean, not to visualize it. Now, if this is not, if this is symbolical, it's, it's symbolical, it's for the purpose of teaching us the, the, the vastness, the immensity of its proportions and of its occupancy, see. So, uh, uh, I, I don't, uh, uh, I don't mind uh, people say, "Oh, well, that uh, you're a literist." Well, uh, let them let them have this be symbolical. You're not going to de- uh, uh, you can't uh, get around the fact that he's teaching a place. He's teaching that a city comes down, that people come down, God comes down, and that uh, uh, that is the dwelling place, the abode of God, and that's where. Uh, and the, the people will live, uh, that, uh, that have benefited are the blessed over here that's, that'll die no more, they'll have no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, and so on. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.